This talk is offered by Ordinary Minds Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Andrew is an Australian Dharma heir of Barry Majid and is dedicated to extending Barry's vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. What I'd like to talk about today is... Um, I just finished reciting the Sutra, the Heart Sutra, which finishes with this very famous uh, mantra, Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisvaha, loosely translated as gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. Hallelujah. And that's the wisdom beyond wisdom. The, um, the symbolism of the other shore uh, where we are free from suffering and uh, free from the ending of suffering. Um, now, I'd like to pick up Barry's talk, Barry Majid's talk from last fortnight, and uh, just like do a basic kind of, um, I guess, commentary on Barry's talk uh, from the perspective of the Heart Sutra. And when we speak of the Heart Sutra too, it's um, it. Uh, the word heart is the sense in which we often that sense of love, but also it can be the sense of the heart of everything. And um, it's the most central and most um, uh, most central sutra in, in, in Zen Buddhism, reduced in this form. That's its, that's its shortest version the one we recite here. It has longer versions. So, let's fortnight uh, Barry's talk in, for the Sortel group. He, he started talking about um, the inevitable kind of uh, suffering which arises when we lose a being could be a, a, a could be an animal. In this case, it was a dog, or it could be a, a loved one, a wife or a husband, partner, who die, or leave us, and um, and the, the the suffering which arises from that in the form of grief, loss, and um, and also the kind of suffering that can say for example we lose it someone that loses a child and the, the kind of pain that comes from that the, the sense of such a deep loss and um, and uh, Barry was talking about how he held his dog in his arms well after it, uh, it was dying because it needed to be put down and the sense of the tears that were coming in his eyes and and the tears that he'd shed from a previous loss in his life when he lost one of his first wife in a tragic accident 
car cr uh, plane crash, I think it was. And um, I know these tears may one day come to an end, but um, sometimes maybe the, the pain of some losses continue to arise in our lives over and over and over again. And uh, so he, um, he made reference to the Buddhism, uh, the, uh, what's often referred to as the Four Noble Truths or the Four Facts, or four, basically life is suffering is the first one. But it also goes through the, the, the second one being the origins of suffering, which in Buddhism is often translated into English as the word is dukkha in Sanskrit, but often translated as the, um, um, the cause of suffering being clinging or grasping. And uh, the third noble truth is that there can be an ending of this suffering. And the, the, the fourth noble truth is um, the Eightfold Path, or the, the path to the ending of suffering. And Barry was basically saying, well, why didn't the Buddha just stop at the first one? Life is suffering. Um, does suffering ever really ever end? And so this question about what is meant by the ending of suffering is, is very important. Now, in some ways, um, the early teachings of Buddhism, known as the, the, uh, the Pali teachings or the Theravada teachings, the teachings you find in Sri Lanka and uh, Thailand and Burma, uh, are often seen as being this notion of a gradual path. Um, you follow the eight noble, you, know, you follow the, the eight noble factors of the eight noble path. You um, you conduct yourself ethically, you, 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 you practice meditation and you gain some wisdom. And the, uh, the notion is, is the carrot at the end uh, in that path, which is the liberation or the ending of suffering or the final happiness or enlightenment that uh, is the carrot that, you know, um, we, we all start off seeking in this life. And, for most of us, but that seeking never ends. It uh, might take the form of seeking after, you know, wealth, or it might take the form of seeking after a really good job or a perfect partner, a uh, perfect place to live. There are many forms in which seeking can take. Um, but often, after life has knocked us around a fair bit and we've experienced a fair degree of suffering, the, the search or the seeking might take a spiritual form. So then the seeking becomes for this illusory sense of enlightenment or happiness or some sense of peace which may be found through, through taking up a spiritual path. And the interesting thing about Buddhism um, in its what's called Mahayana Buddhism, uh, which is the Buddhism which is the, the, the Heart Sutra it's called the Prashna Paramita teachings or the Wisdom Beyond Wisdom teachings. Um, cuts through that notion of there being a path that you follow uh, with a carrot at the end. Um, it basically teaches that um, 
in a sense, um, wisdom beyond wisdom, the, um, that which we are seeking for, we already are, in a sense. This is the non-duality teachings, which are very difficult to grasp. But you find them in Tibetan Buddhism, you find them in Zen Buddhism, and, um, and you find it in other teachings as well. But in Buddhism, the, 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 the wisdom beyond wisdom teachings are primarily found in, uh, in Zen Buddhism and, uh, and Tibetan Buddhism. Now, um, there is a, there is a, um, um, there was one distinction that Barry made in his talk, which is often made. He, he made uh, sometimes people make a distinction between pain and suffering, and uh, or the sense in which there are. Um, Inevitably, we experience physical pain, um, we, and we experience all the pain that might go with an illness or the aging body. We also experience the inevitable loss, you know, of loved ones and so forth, and the the suffering which goes with that. Um, sometimes people make a distinction between that, and they define suffering as the kind of um, in a way, the getting involved in thoughts of blaming others or blaming ourselves, and which can unnecessarily complicate those that the pure kind of suffering, if you like, where we might beat ourselves up and or beat someone else up or so forth. Um, and that that's kind of Barry acknowledged that that can be a useful way to think about it as well. But I think we can even go even deeper than that, um, following the teachings of the Heart Sutra. So in, the, uh, in his talk, he, um, he made reference to a koan. And um, the koan is from the Blue Cliff Record. Koans are basically um, stories of interactions between the, the Zen uh, master at the time and, and usually a, a monk, a student. Um, from the, uh, the period in when when Zen was flourishing in China. So this particular koan that Barry made reference to um, um, is known as um, from the Blue Cliff Record. It's number forty-three, and uh, it's referred to as Dongshan's No Cold or Heat. Dongshan Dong Lianji. Tozan Ryokai lived from 807 to 69, and he was very uh, a very important figure in Zen Buddhism uh, in establishing the uh, what's known as the Soto School now in, in Japan. And the basic story is, or the basic case is very simple. So the monk uh, said to Dongshan, "Cold and heat descend upon us. How can we avoid them?" So when we were talking about cold and heat, basically they're symbols standing in for any kind of suffering we may be experiencing. So cold and heat, don't just take it as cold and heat. Take cold and heat as being uh, representations of suffering of any particular kind. And uh, Dongshan said to him, why don't you go where there is no cold or heat. 
So that's one really interesting question. Uh, where is this place where there is no cold or heat? And the monk said that. The monk said, well, where is the place where there is no cold and heat? So where is the place where there is no suffering? Now, I want to make a reference at that point to the lines in the Heart Sutra, which basically say, boundlessness is free of old age and death and is free of the ending of old age and death. It is free of suffering, arising, cessation and power. In other words, that's the Four Noble Truths. So the Heart Sutra is, where the, 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 the Four Noble Truths say there is suffering, there's the arising of suffering, the origins of suffering, there's the cessation of suffering, the ending of suffering, and there's the path to the ending of suffering. The Heart Sutra says, in boundlessness, Boundlessness itself already is free of suffering, arising, cessation, and path. It's free of suffering and it's free of the ending of suffering. And it's also free of wisdom and attainment. Um, so the question becomes, I think, in my own interpretation of that kind, is that that's a reference to the Heart Sutra, this place that is free from heat and cold which in this translation is translated as boundlessness. In other translations, it's translated as emptiness. But remember, in non-duality, and as the Heart Sutra says, form is boundlessness, and boundlessness is form. So form can be taken as anything that we experience. Form could be the sensations we're experiencing. Form could be the perceptions, the sounds we hear. Form could be a mood state that we're in, uh, uh, a desire for something, a desire for something to go away. Um, and, um, and so Dongshan says to, that, to the question, the monk says, well, where is the place where there is no cold and heat? Well, where is the place where there is no suffering? And Dongshan says, when cold, let it be so cold that it kills you. When hot, let it be so hot that it kills you. So what does he mean by that? Well, you'll often find reference to uh, killing in Zen Buddhism. If you see the Buddha on the road, kill it. Um, killing in Zen Buddhism is a metaphor in the sense of, you know, uh, there's also often in Zen Buddhism talks about, you know, die before you die. So there's a sense in which killing refers to non-separation, refers to the, um, the inseparability, the, the fact that everything is actually one, that there is no actual separation. So the, the, it's the experience of separation which is brought into brought into this world through language, duality, which creates the notion of a separate self, which creates the notion that there's a, there's a me here that's suffering and there's a you out there that's causing my suffering or there's an object out there that's causing my suffering. So the wisdom teachings or the wisdom beyond wisdom teachings are non-dual teachings. And they're referring to unconditioned awareness or non-dual awareness, where there is no separation. So basically, in a sense, 
the, uh, from that perspective, the ending of suffering is the actual realization that whatever is arising in our consciousness, whatever we're experiencing, whether it be intent, whether it be pain, physical pain, whether it be grief, uh, whether it be some form of anxious worry, um, whether it be a memory of some kind, um, that in itself is the absolute, that itself is boundlessness, that itself you could call boundlessness this ocean of awareness, um, you could call it consciousness, call it no mind, it goes by many different names. Um, basically it's, um, the, it's a very deep acceptance of whatever it is. So from the perspective of the non-dual teachings, It's a deep acceptance of whatever is arising, because whatever is arising is, is one. It's, we're inseparable from it. So, from that perspective, what we normally do in our life is we try and escape from. So, in the, um, in the koan, where the monk says initially, how to es escape from heat and cold? How do I avoid heat and cold? How do I avoid suffering? How do I escape from suffering? And basically the, the teaching is you actually become one with the suffering and then you're no longer suffering. And the sense in which, if you want to put it in a more kind of understandable way, <laughs> embracing awareness itself is, accepts everything without qualification, without judgment. Um, it is totally unconditional love of whatever is arising. So whatever is arising is totally loved in this non-dual awareness. And uh, so we might experience a longing, but the longing is simply something which is arising like the wave in that ocean. The longing is not separate from the ocean. The ocean is the total deep acceptance. The longing rises up. If we get caught into the illusion that we're the wave, we suffer. But if we see at the same time that we're the ocean, we experience the longing, but it, it's a different quality to it. So um, it's just being alive in that moment. Um, that's, the, that's what that moment is in that moment. We're not trying to grasp onto it and we're not trying to push it away. Um, if we're experiencing grief, we're experiencing grief. We're experiencing the emotion of grief, whatever form that takes in our body and mind, whether it's a memory, a feeling of sadness, tears, the grief that's coming. Again, the grief is just another wave that's arising in the ocean. And as long as we don't, we just go with that, we flow with that wave rather than resisting the wave. So in a sense, for me, a much better definition or an understandable definition of suffering is resistance to what is. Uh, when we struggle with this moment, we go to war with ourselves, we go to war with this moment, and it creates extra waves of suffering. Whereas, if we are able to deeply accept what is, whatever this moment is, 
then we go with the flow of that moment. Even if that moment is grief, in that moment we're still one with the Absolute. We're still one with boundlessness. And at the same time, that's what uh, at that moment, that's what we are. At that moment we are grieving. And uh, we know that uh, the grieving will, like a, like a wave of intensity, will rise and fall. And it might rise up again and fall again. And it will keep rising and falling for as long as it needs to. Until it eventually goes back to the ocean again and settles into the deep peace of the ocean. So, um, so that's my interpretation of, um, of the ending of suffering. And it's in the Heart Sutra and it's the sense in which, in fact, we're already beyond um, uh, the suffering and the ending of suffering in the non-dual awareness. Our awareness deeply accepts everything which is arising. All we have to do is to recognize that and align ourselves with that. And that's where the difficulties come in because we get caught into the story of what should be. We get caught into the story of ourselves. We get caught into the story or expectations about how reality should be. And we're not our story, but that's the hardest thing is to see through that. That we're just this moment, whatever's happening in this moment. And uh, so I've finished now, you can go into some questions, yeah. Yesterday when I was, I was out, just doing a bit of shopping, with quite a few people coming and going, and because of school holidays, you know, and, and I heard, I over, you know, hear little snippets of conversation, and there was this woman, she's quite a bit older than me, and she was with a younger man, I think was her son. And she, they were, I came along and they were halfway through a conversation and I heard her say to him, I'll never get over that. And he said, oh, really? You know, and that kind of reminds me of what you're saying. She, whatever it was she was talking about, she was kind of determined to never get over whatever it is. And that's, I expect, I think, what you're sort of referring to, isn't it? That she was determined to suffer. And yet, if she was able to let go of it, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, exactly. I mean, you find peace of mind? One of the paradoxes of human beings is that we can get attached to our suffering yes. as well. Yeah. And so that hanging on to the... is all about the... Uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of intergenerational trauma is all about that hanging on to and the yeah. suffering, yeah. yeah. And wanting to pass that suffering on to someone else yes. in return. Yeah. Yeah. And the kind of, it really struck me, poor woman, I wish you could let go of whatever that is, you know, yeah. because you can and get around yeah. inside you, and it must sort of come out and affect <coughs> other people too, you know? Yeah. It's the, it's the story which keeps the illusion of separateness going. Yes. It creates the us and them. And hanging on to past hurts, mm. you know. Yeah. It's a bit, it's so self-defeating, isn't it? Because you just perpetuate the hurt over and over and over instead of just being with it, experiencing it fully, and then letting it go and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. 
we can witness that in ourselves as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How we blame ourselves and keep it going. Um, if only I had done such and such. Yeah. That yeah. Happened. yeah. I see that a, a lot yeah. mm. in my practice. Um, it's the form of um, yeah. If, when when people are reflecting back on the past, often at kind of like our age, mm. and you know. If only I'd done that and I hadn't done that. And that yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's what sort of that's what creates the suffering, isn't it? Mm. It's not the experience; it's what we make of it. Mm. Yeah. The word um, suffering in the Sanskrit word is it, it's it's dukkha. Uh, um, usually spelled D U double K H A, and one of the um, early texts kind of like used the metaphor of a wheel that's kind of like stuck or out of kilter, so it's constantly kind of out of kilter all the time, as opposed to a kind of smooth flowing kind of yeah. movement. It just keeps jamming and it won't go yeah. any further. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, I've experienced that in myself. Yeah. Mm. The visual um, alarm, the visual recognition, uh, you know, when you get, you get visualisation of being in the same place all the time, <coughs> that, that's what alarm, brings the alarms back. That's what I find the most difficult to. Yeah. So the, the, the story of the future can be equally... Um, um, it triggers the memory. It triggers yeah, those visualisations, will re-trigger yes. the past. Visualisations of the future? No, visualisations of the now, like if I'm in a now situation and I see it, visualise something that, you know, I see something that... Yeah, that oh, a, 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 a memory, you mean? Yeah, that really triggers the memory again. Oh, you see something that triggers the memory. Mm. Sure, yeah. And that's the hardest thing to... Um, mm. Like you can say to you, you can be right in the now and experience the wave, if the wave never stops. Well, the wave, in that particular moment, the wave of the emotion is being triggered by the memory which was triggered by something else. So you've got a, a wave coming up with that memory mm. in the ocean. And uh, yeah, that, that, and that wave might come again mm. and again. Okay. Uh, mm. But if you, if you see clearly that that wave's arising in the ocean and that you are also the ocean, then you can actually embrace that wave. Mm. You don't have to fight or struggle with that wave, because that wave is who you are. It's not separate from you. It's not a thing out there which is separate from you. It's just like the sound which is arising in you now. 